0: 90 seconds is all I get the chance so here I come now, so you know that it's my time, getting started, cause it's my time to party, like the tracks fair, and not like a fraud, and you know I'm on my prime, so you know I gotta rhyme, like I'm lick with the slime, but I'm gonna make a big time, in a rush, not take it slow, 3, 2, 1, it's time to go. But Hello everybody, and welcome to Scrub Man. Nation Space Podcast. Man. I am your host, Ryan Sharp, and with me always is our other host, Todd Mancaster. Todd, how you doing tonight?
1: Oh, I'm doing just great, just finished up eating, uh, kind of got settled in at home, so, uh,
0: Feeling good, feeling good. Nice. Good, good, good. Well, we're glad you could all join us for our first episode of Scrub Nation Podcast, where we will talk everything sports. Right now, we are in the heart of NFL season, so that will take up most of our podcast episodes for now. But as sports come and go, we will change and do those as well. Um, Without further ado, I think we should uh, claim our teams for each sport, Todd. Um, Why don't you go ahead and go first?
1: All right. Uh, like you said, my name is Todd Lancaster. And uh, since he uh, said, you know, we're right here in the middle of the NFL season, I'll start with my NFL team. I am a Denver Broncos fan. I know it's weird being a Texas boy and uh, having something outside the state, but I have a reason uh, for that. And that's, you know, stuff we can dive into later and uh, in other podcasts and stuff. Uh, continuing that trend, uh, when we go to baseball, I am a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Uh, go boys in blue. You know what I'm saying? Um, then uh, NBA, coming back home, not too far out there. Uh, I am a Houston Rockets fan. Uh, for all you Rockets fans out there, I know we're kind of in a hard spot right now with some young guys and not winning a lot of games, but I think we're turning in the right direction. College football, uh, gig em, Texas A&M Maggies. Um been that way since, uh, I'd say, about junior high school. Uh, And then uh, on the flip side, because of uh, my wonderful grandmother, uh, I am a Kentucky Wildcats basketball fan. Um, Then, uh, looking at soccer, uh, Premier League, I am a uh, Liverpool fan, go Reds. Um, And I I don't know much about soccer. I'm getting there, just really kind of diving into it and what it is. Uh, Same thing goes for hockey, don't really have a favorite team, Uh, don't know much about it, I enjoy watching the sport itself, Uh, so yeah, that's my favorite teams.
0: All right, yeah, so uh, like I said, my name is Ryan Sharp, Um, and I'll start with the NFL NFL as well, and if well, my team is not doing well or looking well, but I am a Dallas Cowboys fan, Um, we are America's team because we always pop up in every single conversation about football, you're welcome. Um, we'll take it on down to the NBA. I am a Dallas Mavericks fan, uh, really liking what we're, what we're doing right now. Um, I think Mark Cuban has a good idea of, um, how we need to build around Luca for the future. Um, and I really think we have a good shot at winning a couple championships with Luca in Dallas, uh, move to the MLB. I am a Texas Rangers fan, um, just how I've grown up, uh, and so it's always stuck, um, Then we moved to college football and basketball. Um, And I take it just a little bit north to Oklahoma. I am an Oklahoma Sooners fan. Um, My grandfather is from Oklahoma. Um, He was raised an Oklahoma Sooners fan. And so it was just born in my blood. Um, For soccer, um, Premier League as well, I'm a big soccer fan. Uh, I am a Manchester United fan. Um, I became a Manchester United fan right after their glory days. So I've been suffering and never had a glory days. Um, So it's uh, a long time coming, and I'm uh, excited for the future there. Um, And then with hockey, I'm a Dallas Stars fan. Um, My wife is a Minnesota Wild fan, so we have some uh, good uh, rivalries in-house over here in the Sharp household, but uh, all in all, it's good, though. Um, But those are our teams. Um, Without further ado, why don't we just go ahead and dive into our episode um, and talking with... Week two review, Chiefs beat Chargers, Cowboys beat the Bengals, Packers beat the Bears, Cardinals beat the Raiders, Broncos beat the Texans, Rams beat the Falcons, 49ers beat the Seahawks, Dolphins beat the Ravens, Bucks beat the Saints, Jets beat the Browns, Lions beat the Commanders, Giants beat the Panthers, Patriots beat the Steelers, Jags beat the Colts, Eagles beat the Vikings, Bills beat the Titans. Todd, what stands out to you there?
1: Um, I, what stands out to me most this week was there were quite a bit of really, really good games, uh, that really just came down to the wire, um, like that, uh, <clears throat> the Dolphins Ravens game was tremendous, uh, on the flip side of that, there was a lot of blowouts, um, Bill <clears throat> Titans, um, and so, uh, I thought overall it was a good week of football, um, I, I would say probably the biggest thing that uh, stood out to me personally uh, as, as a bit of a disappointment um, was my own Denver Broncos um, two weeks in. And, uh, you know, we've had lots of issues with turnovers and uh, penalties and poor and clock management, play calling from the coaches. Uh, I guess at two weeks in, doesn't look like there's an end in sight. We'll see from there. Uh, packet acknowledged his issues uh, coaching wise after week one and again here after week two um, but we'll see if it actually uh, see if it actually makes a difference uh, the defense looked really really good uh, made Davis Mills and the offense work uh, you know held them to nine points three field goals so that was that was nice Um Should have been a blowout, realistically. Um, The offense just continued to struggle. Um, Looking here, we've had 25 penalties on the season, uh, 12 in week one, uh, or 12 here in week two, and 10 in week one for a total of 206 yards. Most of those penalties are coming off of um, delay games. Um, So it's like Russ is maybe – I don't know, struggling to take control of the offense. Um, this week two game, we looked good on the ground. One hundred and forty nine rushing yards between uh, between uh, Russell Wilson and Big Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and it was just a team effort. Get one hundred forty nine yards on the ground, which was really good. Yeah. Um, but back to the focus on Russell Wilson. He went fourteen for thirty one. Okay. That's 49%. He had 219 yards, which is nice. A touchdown, which is nice. We threw a pick. Um, the Broncos, we have, like, five turnovers or something like that through two weeks, and uh, we have not done a good job taking the ball away ourselves. Uh, and now uh, Jerry Judy and Patrick Sertain are day-to-day with their injuries. Um So, I don't know. Uh, That that
0: was one of the big things that stood out to me this week. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a disappointment yet for the Broncos. Um, That's, I mean, my opinion. I just think Russ hasn't looked comfortable yet in the new offense, and you touched on that. I mean, Williams has looked good. Sutton has looked good. Jerry Judy looked amazing until he got injured last week, which which sucks. Um, And hopefully it's only short term with the rib injury um, and is only out for a couple weeks at most. Um, but the question I had the most of them was their defense against the Seahawks, Um, but it seemed like they shored up some things in week two, and yes, it was against the Texans. They only gave up 250 total yards, Um, and that seems pretty good. I mean, the Texans looked good in week one, Um, but I think week three is really where we're going to see do we have concerns about them or not. They're facing a tougher opponent in the 49ers, Um, and I think that that's going to give them a – give us a good look at them to really see if they are um, struggling or not, if it's a concern or not. And obviously you're going to be harder on them. They are your team. Um, So that makes sense. Um, But for me, my disappointment of the week. um, And I mean, it even goes back to the week before is the Bengals. Is their offense, is their offense struggling? Just um, is their offense just struggling um, or have they just played two really good defenses Um, last week? Um, Burrow went for 199 yards. Mixon went for 57 yards. In um, week one, Burrow threw for 338 yards, but four interceptions. Mixon went for 82 yards in week one. Um, are there struggles just on Burrow right now, or is there other causes?
1: Uh, personally, I believe it's other causes. Um, much like the situation that Matthew Stafford's got going in uh, L.A. with the Rams, um Joe Burrow is spending too much time on his back, uh, through two games he has been sacked 13 times for like a total of like 70 or 75 yards, something like that. Um, then he's thrown four picks. Uh, I believe he's got a, a fumble in there. So that's, that's four or five turnovers. Um, man, they are, they have been, a, they have been a disappointment. Um, I, I also want to look at the defense for that team. Um, they let uh, Cooper Rush just uh, kind of ball out. No offense to him, but um, he's a backup that actually didn't even make it through the roster cuts technically. Um, and so you, you got to question the defense. But I think the big thing that's been disappointing for, um, for the Bengals has been that offensive line, and that's where the root of all their problems are. And they spent a lot of money. Um, And it's like Lyle Collins has been clowned all over Twitter because he said something about your bodyguards are here or something. He's just clowned. And, yeah, I mean, I think he gave up, like, three of the sacks, whatever. Parsons had a field day with him. And so um, I think that is is the Bengals' issue. Uh, More or less, if they're playing a good defense or a bad defense, their offensive struggles are coming from a, a poor offensive line.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree with you there. Um, like you said, they spent a lot of money this past offseason on their offensive line, and um, it's not looking any better than it did last year. So uh, definitely some disappointment. Um, but let's flip it over to the other side. Surprises? Who did? Who surprised you this week?
1: Uh, this one's going to make you feel good. Uh, I'm going to say the uh, Cowboys and Cooper Rush. Um, man, he uh, he really came out and he. Uh, he really did some impressive things uh, this first full game of standing in for Jack. Um, not quite sure how long Dak's going to be out. You know, I know Jerry said they weren't going to put him on the IR and keep him out for sure for a week. So you got to believe the timetable is shorter than that. But Cooper Rush looked like he could definitely keep this team in contention until Dak gets back. Uh, he, had, he was like uh, 19 for 31 for 235 yards or something like that, doing a touchdown so the offense looks great another week of the defense just looking tremendous Michael Parsons uh is looking every bit of an elite pass rusher uh you know put him in in the category of uh, some of the guys that we've grown up watching is with uh and it's gonna offend some people uh but DeMarcus Ware another Cowboys great um and, and Vaughn Miller uh these guys that um those are the guys that Michael Parsons looks like. Just just the elite pass rusher, and if the Cowboys continue to use him that way, yeah, instead of trying yeah. to mold him into something he's not, uh, I think it's going to be a good season for the Cowboys in the long run.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And CeeDee Lamb looked good this week as well. Um, instead of having 11 targets and two receptions, he had 11 targets and seven receptions. Um, you know, when your number one wide receiver is catching the ball, it uh, makes a big difference as well. Um, and so I think that that has a lot to do with their success that they had against the Bengals as well. Um, mine this week, I think the obvious choice is the dolphins, um, to have finally kind of coming into his own as an NFL quarterback, um, throwing for 469 yards and six touchdowns over the last couple games, or no, that was just this last game. Um, for one game. Yeah. Just this one game. Um, but the, the team I actually want to talk about is the lions. I know that the lions are one and one but they look good offensively. Defensively, I think they still have some questions that they need to figure out, but offensively, they look amazing. Week one, they lost to the Eagles, who just held the Vikings to, what was it, 14 points? No, seven points. Seven 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 seven, points, not even 14. Seven points, right? So they lost to the Eagles by three, who is arguably a top five team in the league right now. Um, And then they beat the Commanders this week. Uh, by nine, uh, you have yeah you have Saint Brown who had nine receptions on twelve targets for 116 yards and two touchdowns plus two carries for 68 yards. You had Swift who only had five carries for 56 yards, but he had two receptions on five targets for 31 yards and a touchdown. But Golf looks good.
1: Uh, yeah, like, 100%. Golf looks like uh, the Jared Golf that. That that led the Rams, uh, you know, to a to a Super Bowl, you know, or whatever before they got blown out. But uh, for sure, Jared Goff is looking—he's uh, looking tremendous for sure. Uh, yeah, and like, and like you said, the rest of that offense—not like super big names, but man, Ross Saint Brown is a name that a lot of people are gonna have to learn real quick, fast and in a hurry. He he kind of broke out last year and and kind of showed what he could do. But uh, now he's 100% the, the best, you know, player on that team. Um, Swift didn't have a lot of touches, uh, but made his touches count. And that's what you want from a good offense, you know. You give these guys, that they don't have to get, you know, 10, 15, 20 touches to make something happen, you know. If you got yeah. less than 10 touches, can score a touchdown, have almost 100 yards, Wow. And, you know, that's, that's a great
0: game. That's a yeah. Great game. Yeah. Well, and, and Swift was coming off an injury or um, they say an injury. It was probably just a knock, um, just a, just a little small thing. Um, so that could have limited, limited him a little bit. Uh, Cause Jamal Williams had 12 rushes for 53 yards. Um, so obviously got out carried um, attempt wise by his backup. Um, yeah. But I don't think that's any concern. I think they were just kind of nursing the injury. Um, they were in the lead, so why put him in there for further injury if you don't need to um, so, type, exactly. type thing?
1: Exactly. He's producing those kind of numbers with less carries. So yeah. when the offense is going full swing, when he's full healthy, uh, the things that Swift is going to be able to do, um, it's definitely 100% going to make the Lions a, a formidable opponent.
0: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, why don't we move into – our next section of cause for concern or overreaction. Who do you have somebody as a cause for concern or an overreaction?
1: Um, Cause for concern. I'm going to go back to uh, looking at, at, at Joe Burrow. Um, Like I said earlier, uh, the concern shouldn't entirely uh, be all on him um, because of some of the issues, uh, but, really the cause for concern, I guess, is going to be for the full offense centered around Joe Burrow um, with Burrow being the focal point. Chase was a non-factor Sunday. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Joe Burrow was laying on his back. Uh, part of those sacks too, uh, mentioned earlier, like the offensive line is horrible. Burrow has got to get the ball out faster. Um, and so that's, that's a big one for me. Um, now, for the rest of the season he's not going to have super high expectations um just based kind of on what has been seen early in this season um until something is done to protect him uh, But there's some there is definitely some concern going forward on what joe burrow is going to look like
0: yeah yeah i i agree with you there i think that uh Like you said, the offensive line definitely leads to concerns, um, but leads to concerns for Burrow um, because if he doesn't have the protection, um, then he's going to continue to get sacked or going to continue to get rushed. And uh, just like in week one, um, he's going to throw four interceptions again. Um, And obviously you can't win a game if you're throwing four interceptions. Um, For me, and I think that this is going to uh, cause a lot of shock and a lot of uh, rift to our listeners, is Tom Brady. Week one – Week one, he threw for 212 yards, one touchdown, and one interception against the Cowboys. Week two, he threw for 190 yards and one touchdown against the Saints. In week three, they play the Packers, whose defense seems to have shored up after week one, and they're going to have no Evans, possibly no Godwin, and possibly no Julio. Is this a cause for concern, or is this an overreaction?
1: No, there is for sure a lot of concern for Brady. Um, you know, he retired, so it was like, how focused was his offseason? And then he came back, and then he took 11 days off at of camp. And everybody thought, oh, maybe he's going to retire again. Uh, and like you said, he, he's going to be down his top three receivers. Uh, he's not going to have Gronk, which Gronk has been a safety net, you know, the last for, gosh, I can't even tell you how long he's been with Brady. And um, I mean, there was a clip circulating on Twitter where it sounds like Brady is saying that he doesn't have the arm strength to throw it down the field anymore. Uh, they still got, they've got some of their own offensive line problems with health uh, health and uh, guys just rotating in um, some use and, uh, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's definitely some um, cause for concern for sure with. Uh, Tom Brady going yeah. forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think that that's a cause for concern as well. I just wanted to hear your hear your take on it before I give mine. Uh, my other player is Saquon Barkley. Week one against the Titans, he had an explosive he had an explosive week, 164 yards on 18 attempts and six catches on seven targets for 30 yards. So he had 25 touches for 200 yards. But then week two. He had 25 touches for almost 100 yards. Week three is against the Cowboys. Is this a cause for concern or an overreaction for you?
1: For me, I'm going to say overreaction. um, Going into week three simply for the fact that every time they play, the Giants and Cowboys play close. Somebody steps up uh, for for either team and, and just kind of carries the load for years it was it was Eli Manning and, and, and everything uh, for the Giants and it was Romo showed out in a lot of games or, and uh, DeMarcus Ware stepped up and made a lot of plays in a lot of those games and I think going forward uh, Saquon is going to be fine. He's missed a lot of time uh, health wise over the last couple of years uh, I think he's still trying to get his footing um, into what his role uh, on the field is going to be. He looked like Prime, Saquon Barkley, Penn State, Saquon Barkley, just running over everybody week one. I think week two was a reminder to him that um, – it was a reminder to him that he was in the NFL, not at the college level anymore. Um, and so, uh, for him, I think it's an overreaction. Um And I think for me, another player um, that everybody's overreacting on is Russell Wilson. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, another week, another disappointment. Like I pointed out earlier, he had 49% uh, completion percentage. Uh, He still had the 200 yards. Um, But I I think it's a little bit of an overreaction um, because it's not all his fault. It's not all Russell Wilson's fault. Uh, some of it is Hackett and his offensive play calling. As the head coach, he is also the offensive coordinator uh, for Denver. And he's calling plays. I think he's trying to get too cute and too fancy. Um, he hasn't quite built a rapport uh, with Russell Wilson that he had with Aaron Rodgers where Hackett and Lafleur could get cute with some of the stuff they were doing with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Um, it's not quite there. Um so right now it is an overreaction. If week three against the 49ers. Russ does some of the same things. Uh, Four o'clock management uh, kind of looks like he's got – you know, he's, his nerves are shot again. Um, I would definitely uh, start having some, some concern for him. But for now, through two weeks, based on the emotion that came with the game uh, with going back to Seattle in week one and then his home opener in Denver – Week two, um, $242 million quarterback will settle
0: in for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that it's a overreaction as well. Um, I mean, he threw for 219 yards, one touchdown, one interception against the Houston Texans, um, and that's not that great, uh, to be honest. Um, but like I said earlier, I just don't think he's looked comfortable yet. Um, I mean, it's a whole new offense, a whole new system. Uh, Yeah, he's had training camp to learn it, but that's not real game action. Um, Could some of that have been fixed in the preseason if uh, the starters would have played? Probably. You probably could have gotten some of that rust off. Um, But I think you have to give them a couple weeks um, before you really start making those assumptions, those... uh, those questions for you to start asking questions and having concerns about them. So yeah, no, I agree. I think it's an overreaction as well. Um, So let's move on week three predictions. Um, And to all of our listeners who are going to start listening and um, who will keep coming back, we're going to keep a tally of who we predict. And at the end of the season, we're going to see who gets the most right. Um, So you're going to hear predictions from both of us um, for every game, every week, Um, and we'll see who gets the most right. So starting off Cowboys at giants, who you got,
1: um, this one, um, I, I like, um, I like both teams going into this Cooper rush. Definitely showed out. Um, Brian Dayball uh, has got the giants in a good spot, uh, as a team, just playing as a team, uh, totally. Um, I'm going Giants over the Cowboys for the simple fact that it is being played in uh, in, in New York slash New Jersey, whatever you want to call it, uh, up there at MetLife. So I'm picking the Giants over the Cowboys.
0: All right. Well, we have our first disagreement. I uh, I'm going to take my Cowboys. I'm gonna roll with them uh, just because the sole fact their defense looks good. Next, we have the Steelers at the Browns. Who you got? <clears throat>
1: The Browns have done some impressive things over the first two weeks. Um, Steelers have done some very unimpressive things over the first two weeks. Um, Trubisky has a lot uh, to prove before he gets replaced by Kenny Pickett. I know there's a lot of people calling for that. Um, beating Cleveland in Cleveland um, is going to be the hardest part of the whole thing. Um but it can be done. And I think Trubisky's going to do it. I'm going to pick Steelers over Browns this week.
0: I agree. Um, I think that Najee is going to bounce back. And uh, I think we're finally going to see a big game from Najee. Uh, next, we have.
1: The... I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> next, we have Bengals at Jets. Who you got?
1: Um, I'm going to say Cincinnati continues to struggle um, to kind of ride right the ship. Flacco has looked tremendous. Uh, Garrett Wilson had his breakout game, Um, so I'm going to go Jets over Bengals.
0: All right, we have another disagreement. Uh, I chose the Bengals, Um, and honestly, I said that there's just no better team to bounce back against for Burrow than the Jets. Um, (laughs) I mean, it just is what it is.
1: Here's Uh, here's where I'm going to say that I completely disagree with that. and it's because Sauce Gardner is going to be lined up across from Jamar Chase almost the entire game.
0: That will be a good matchup to watch. That will yes, be a good for matchup sure. to watch. Yes, it will. Next we have the Bills at the Dolphins. What you got?
1: <clears throat> Man, Dolphins had a tremendous game. Uh, like you said earlier, too, I had those 469 yards. Uh, the biggest thing I liked about that was he spread that 469 yards to 11 different receivers. Um, which is really impressive, What a strong comeback. Um, That being said, the Bills' defense uh, has stifled Matthew Stafford in week one, Derrick Henry uh, in week two, so back-to-back weeks, picking on different people in the offense. Uh, I think Buffalo's defense is going to handle Tua, Waddle, and Hill pretty well, and Bills over Dolphins.
0: All right. Uh, I agree. I, uh, I think the Bills uh, look just too good on both sides of the ball. Um, but I think that this one is actually going to be a shootout. Um, I think last week um, against the Ravens, the Dolphins really showed us what their offense is capable of. Tua showed us that he's uh, capable of feeding two hungry mouths um, and letting them eat. Um, and they, f- they feasted. Um, and so I think that the Bills are going to get up. And then um, here comes Tua and the Dolphins. I'm um, storming back, and I think that it's just going to be a shootout.
1: Uh, definitely. Definitely going to be a lot of points scored in that game.
0: Yeah. Next we have Chiefs at Colts. Who you got?
1: Um, I'm just going to say um, Patrick Mahomes against Matt Ryan. Um, I think everybody knows how that's going to go. I'm taking the Chiefs over the Colts.
0: Absolutely, I agree. Matty Ice just looks frozen right now.
1: Yes, yes, very.
0: Next, you got Eagles at Commanders.
1: Um, any faith that you had, uh, that anybody had in Carson Wentz uh, after week one, um, me specifically, I was very high on Carson Wentz after week one, it's gone. It is gone. Um, I'm slowly starting to believe uh, in what Jalen Hurts has got going in Philly. Uh, that offense is very dynamic. Uh, got a lot of weapons, can spread it out. The defense has stepped up uh, in two, uh, two weeks um, up, up until late. They held the Lions um, pretty well. Um, so I'm going Eagles over Commanders.
0: All right. I uh, I agree. Um, like you said, their defense stepped up, um, especially against the Vikings, holding them to seven points, and they have an explosive offense. Yeah. Um, and like you said, their offense just looks good. Hurts on the ground. Hurts throwing the ball looked really good. Um, AJ Brown was a huge upgrade to this offense this offseason. Um, I For don't think sure. anybody thought that it was going to be this big of an upgrade, but it's a huge upgrade. Um, and speaking of the Vikings, next we have Lions at Vikings. Who you got?
1: Um, this one was kind of hard looking at it trying to trying to pick one. Um. it's hard to pick Kirk Cousins on a Monday night game. Uh, The man plays on Monday nights, looks like he has drunk goggles on. Um, He holds their offense back. Uh, The Lions have looked really good. But I'm going to lean more on what the Vikings did in week one, and I'm going to pick the Vikings over the Lions uh, just because I think Cousins is going to have a bounce back game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh, I, I agree. Um, I mean, the lions look good. Um, they got some explosive things going on, but I think the Vikings just have, um, more, um, in terms of explosiveness. And I think their, their defense, um, is a little better than the lions defense as well. Um, so I got the, I got the Vikings as well. Next we have the Raiders at Titans. Who you got?
1: I'm picking, uh, Las Vegas over Tennessee. Um, I think if you're a Raiders fan, you have to be thankful for what happened Monday night, watching uh, Tennessee just get absolutely eviscerated by the Bills because um, it kind of helps them, kind of helps everybody uh, forget and erase the meltdown um, that the Raiders had and retro kind of throwing the game away. Um, so I think this is the Raiders' opportunity to take advantage of, of everybody kind of forgetting that. Um, redeeming themselves, uh, moving past that game, I think the Raiders are going to beat the Titans.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I have the Raiders as well. I think they're looking to bounce back. After that heartbreaking loss to the Cardinals in Week 2 that shouldn't have happened, 16 unanswered points that the Cardinals scored in the fourth quarter. I mean, come on. Like, you, you had them blown out, and you let them come back and didn't score I mean, even just a field goal would have sealed the deal. Um, I think the Raiders yeah. are just going to look to bounce back. Um, next you have the Ravens at the Pats at the Patriots.
1: Um, I wrote one note for this game and it literally says Lamar Jackson. That man is, uh, he is so great right now. Uh, he's just playing just great ball, uh, running. Uh, he aired it out a lot this week. Um, He's looking like an MVP candidate. Um, He's got a little bit to catch up to some of the other guys to get there, but he is looking tremendous. Lamar Jackson continues to be Lamar Jackson. Ravens over the Patriots.
0: Yep, no, I I agree. I don't have anything to add to that. Saints at Panthers, who you got?
1: Here's, Here's what my note reads right here. Even with a cracked spine, Jameis continues to shine um he's dealing with some injury to some vertebrae in his back or something he's got like small cracks in him or something and um he played okay against a very stout Tampa uh defensive backfield um I still I, I'm not I'm not a Baker fan I don't believe in Baker um I don't believe in the Panthers right now um I so yeah I have Saints over the Panthers
0: Yep. I agree. Um, I think their defense just looks really good this year. Um, and so I think their defense, uh, can, uh, shut down Christian McCaffrey. Um, Baker hasn't looked, uh, that great this year, like you said. Um, and then Jameis obviously, um, has been playing pretty well. Um, so yeah, saints over the, over the Panthers. Uh, next you have the Texans at the bears.
1: This one, uh, another interesting game. Um, Two teams that looked really good in week one that did not look good in week two. Um, I have the Texans over the Bears uh, because they're still looking for their first win. Um, uh, This week, though, uh, they're going to get into the end zone, um, unlike they did against Denver, and uh, it's going to be more than once, that's for sure. Uh, I I have that offense just kind of popping off scoring a lot of points. uh, Texans over the Bears.
0: All right. I uh, actually have the Bears over the Texans uh, looking to bounce back after a tough loss to Green Bay. Um, We know that rivalry runs deep um, and that it's a uh, it's a heartbreaking loss. Um, And I think that the uh, the Bears looking to bounce back. We have yet to really see anything from Darnell Mooney this year. Um, And I don't know. I guess we'll see if uh, he decides to break out um, in week three. Um, but I have the Bears over the Texans. Uh, next, you have the Jaguars against the Chargers. They're at the Chargers. Who you got?
1: Um, first off, I'm not a big believer in Trevor Lawrence, but a shout out to him. He had a great game this week. Uh, kind of embarrassed. Uh, uh, a semi strong uh, Colt secondary and stuff. It's a great game for him. Um, <clears throat> but even though he's hurt, uh, Justin Herbert is still light years better than Trevor Lawrence. Um, and it's going to show out this week. Uh, chargers big over the Jags.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. you have the Chargers here that, I mean, even if Herbert is out, uh, I think the chargers just have too much talent to lose. Um, that, that team, that offense is stacked. Um, I mean, that defense is pretty good too. So yeah. Um, yeah, definitely the chargers over the Jags next. You have the Falcons at the Seahawks. Who you got?
1: Uh, the Falcons are bad. Uh, the Seahawks are bad. Um, I think Atlanta is just a little bit worse uh, until they figure out how to get Kyle Pitts involved. Um, I don't see that happening this week um, just because of the way kind of Jamal Adams plays against tight ends. He does pretty good uh, if he's healthy. Um, so I'm taking the Seahawks over the Falcons.
0: All right. I actually have the Falcons over the Seahawks uh, this week. Um, and... Uh, My reason is um, Drake London has been um, looking really good um, as Mariota's uh, number one receiver. I mean, the Falcons dropped 27 points on the Rams in week two, um, and they dropped uh, 26 points on the Saints in week one. Um, I mean, we're saying the Saints have a great defense, and they lost by one. Um, I think if they get Kyle Pitts the ball – I think that the offense is just going to be even better um, than it already is. Their problem is their defense. Uh, they can't stop anybody. Um, so I guess we'll see how that one plays out. But I have the
1: Falcons there.
0: Uh, next, you have the Packers at Tampa Bay. Who you got?
1: Um, both offenses got a lot of questions um, in terms of receivers this week. Um, both have extremely veteran, uh, savvy quarterbacks at the helm leading them Um So it really is not going to matter too much who you put on the field. I don't think Um, both defenses are really, really good. Um, I'm going to give the edge to the Buccaneers defense uh, and say Bucks over the Pack.
0: All right. I uh, disagree with you there. I actually have the Packers over Tampa Bay, um, and they say never to bet against Tom Brady, but right now I am betting against Tom Brady this week. (laughs) So – Next, you have the Rams at the Cardinals. So you got?
1: <clears throat> the Rams' defense uh, is better than the Cardinals' offense. Cardinals' offense is great. Rams' defense is better. Um, Rams' offense is better than the Cardinals' defense. Cardinals' defense is solid. So the Rams are better, uh, I'm taking Rams over the Cardinals.
0: All right. Uh, I have the Cardinals over the Rams. And the reason is, is J.J. Watt is back on that defensive line. And we saw what happened in week one when you have an elite pass rusher on the other side of that Rams offensive line. And when you put that J.J. Watt factor in there trying to get to Matthew Stafford, I think we will see what happened against the Bills in week one.
1: I mean, I can agree. Um, but the question is, which J.J. Watt are we going to get? If we get a J.J. Watt that kind of turns back the clock like Bob Miller did week one, uh, yes, and he's going to be a game-changer. Cardinals are in it. Uh, yeah. But I have a feeling he's going to be rusty um, quite a bit, uh, jumping into this, because I don't know that he got any preseason action. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still going to stick with my Rams.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, last but not least, we have the 49ers at the Broncos. Who do you have?
1: <clears throat> um, You know, continued disappointment on offense would not surprise me. Um, I've just kind of succumbed to that over the last couple of years, uh, watching some defensive minded head coaches. So it's, I'm just kind of getting over it, you know, whatever, if it happens, it happens. Um, But I'm going to stick with my Broncos. I believe in them. Uh, We're going to be two and one at the end of the week. Uh, Just because Russ does know the Niners. Um, And I think, Week one, uh, you know, he played a team he had never played against outside of practice, but he's going back to the NFC West where he's been comfortable for years. Um, even if they haven't been winning a lot of games, he's always performed well, pretty well against the NFC West. Um, this time, going back, he's going to show out Broncos over the Niners.
0: All right. I have the 49ers over the Broncos. Um, the 49ers' defense is solid. Um, the Broncos just haven't looked comfortable yet. Uh, and Jimmy G is back in the saddle. And I hate to say that because I really was big on Trey Lance. Um, drafted him in a lot of my fantasy leagues. Um, have enjoyed just following him and uh, watching his progress. And was excited to watch him play this year. To, so to see him go down with that ankle injury. Um, obviously, he's upsetting to 49ers fans. But I hated to see it. So I hope he has a great surgery and uh, um, recovers well and bounces back next year. Because um, I'm excited to watch him. Um, but the same offense, Jimmy G, um, I think he's waiting on his time to shine, um, and I think he's going to shine. Um, and so I, I have the 49ers over the Broncos. Um, yeah. And that, that, that wraps up our, uh, our week three predictions. Anything to add before we move on to our fantasy outlook?
1: Um, no, not really. Uh, I, I think it's another um, slate of really, really good games uh you know tends to be that there's some weeks where it's good games or there's a lot of blowouts or there's a you know a, a lot of shutouts or whatever. I think this is going to be a, another good week of good matchups, balanced matchups. I think it's going to be like I said another really really good week of of uh of football.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. So, let's move on to fantasy outlook. And I got to say the words fantasy football are really hurting my soul right now. Um, and I know that for you as well. Uh, I know that in the league we are in together. Um, for me, in week one, I lost Dak. In week two, I lost Lance. Um, in week one, I lost Keenan Allen. I lost Pittman. I lost Godwin. I lost Julio. Um, and then your team just didn't seem to perform at all this week. Um, so I know fantasy football is uh, not our favorite uh, our favorite <laughs> thing right now. But we love it, and we're going to keep going. So, yes, we Rudy, are. Who do you have first for your fantasy outlook? Uh,
1: fantasy outlook. Outlook. Expect another big performance from Garrett Wilson. I think this week was his uh, was his breakout. Um, he looks really, uh, really comfortable with Joe Flacco. Um, as you saw, that he was coming up clutch late in that game for them, helping uh, him kind of spur that come from behind win. Uh, I mean, he had eight receptions, 102 yards, two touchdowns. The two touchdowns is not – it's not going to be an every week thing. Um, I think the volume of targets and receptions is, though. Uh, And he's one of those guys when he catches the ball, uh, it don't matter if a defender's on him or if they're 10 yards away. Everything is open field for him. He's going to make guys miss. He's going to rack up the yards. Uh, So, my first person, Garrett Wilson, another good week. Another good week.
0: That's a that's a that's a solid pick. I I agree with you. Garrett Wilson uh, definitely came into his own, and uh, when you look back at Joe Flacco's history, uh, whenever he get, finds a good receiver that he really likes, he throws to that receiver, um, and that receiver seems to be Garrett Wilson. Um, so if he's available in leagues, grab him now because he or, or make not, a
1: trade for him.
0: Yeah, or make a trade for him because you want him on your team.
1: Especially for me, in a dynasty league where you can keep him and keep him around for years. Garrett yes. Wilson, because uh, him and Zach Wilson, and uh, when Zach Wilson comes back, I think they're going to fit in just fine as well. So, Yes, yes, I
0: agree. For me, uh, for week three, I have Russell Gage on my radar. Um, with Evans out for week three, um, Godwin will probably be out another week, and Julio might come back. Um, but is he going to be a hundred percent? I doubt it. If he comes back, but that means that Gage steps into the number one spot in that wide receiver room, um, and that means that he's going to see probably a lot of volume, a lot of targets from Brady this week. Um,
1: I, I just, to yeah. me,
0: to me, that just seems like a good, a good pickup, a good add, a good focus, um, because he's a good receiver still. He's just in a deep wide receiver room. I mean, but how do you rank him above Julio, Godwin, or Evans when they're all healthy? You just can't. Um, but now that they're out, you have Gage stepping up to the plate.
1: Agreed. And, and in years past, Russell Gage hasn't exactly been the uh, the consistent producer in offenses. Um, when you look back at what he had done with, with Matt Ryan in offenses with Julio Jones having been there or Julio Jones having not been there, Um he has this ability to go one or two weeks where he just pops off and he does his thing, and you're like, wow, this guy's a really good fantasy receiver. And I'm going to say, he's a, like you said, he's a good receiver. He's a great receiver to have. Uh, that room is loaded, and so, like, he has number four on the list. Um, but this week he's going to be number one, and I think he's going to show that, that he can step into that number one role uh, for sure and just kind of pop off fantasy-wise for sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to go a different direction and instead of saying um, another guy that I think is going to pop off, I'm going to give a, um, a kind of a worry about this guy don't go with him. Uh, it's actually a group of three um, this week. Kind of watch out um, for the Commanders Big Three. Um, with Jahan Dotson, uh, Curtis Samuel, and Terry McCorn, um, the Eagles pitched a shut out, or might as well have. They only gave up seven points to a very high-powered Vikings offense. Um, I think you put it best uh, this afternoon when you were texting and said uh, the Jet did not even take off. You're right. Justin Jefferson did not even take off. Um, And so this week, do not, if you can avoid it, do not start a commander's receiver Um, with Carson Wentz. Kirk Cousins is better than Carson Wentz, and the Eagles shut Cousins down. Wentz is going to be shut down. Do not start Andrews receiver.
0: That's uh, yeah, no. For for Week Three, I definitely have to uh, agree with that. That the Eagles were shut down. Um, the Jet did not take off. Um, the Cook did not cook. Um, <laughs> that offense, Kirk Cousins, crap crash the enterprise. I mean, it was all (laughs) the above. Um, That offense just did not look good against the Eagles. Um, And like you said, um, I just don't think they're going to look good against the... I I don't think the Commanders are going to look good against the Eagles. But for future, I think Carson Wentz is a good pickup. He has a pretty good schedule ahead of him. Yes, he has to play the Cowboys in week four. um, But can the Cowboys hold three good receivers? We haven't seen that yet. Um, they held Chase to pretty decent um, because Higgins went out uh, with a concussion. Um, so they really had to focus on one person. Uh, but can they hold three? Um, then they have the Titans, the Bears, the Packers, the Colts, the Vikings, the Eagles again, the Texans, the Falcons, the Giants, back-to-back, the 49ers, the Browns, and then the Cowboys. They He, he has a pretty decent schedule. So if you need a quarterback in your league, if you're in a deep league, Carson Wentz is some guy to look at, especially if he's on waiver wires and you can pick him up cheap.
1: Yes, uh, agreed, agreed. <clears throat> um, just trying to think here. Uh, another guy to uh, maybe kind of look at, uh, you can pick him up this week uh, and definitely consider fantasy outlook later. Um, If you haven't already, after his week one performance, I think he got his week two bad performance out of the way, and it's going to be Geno Smith. I think he kind of fits that same mold. Uh, There's obviously going to be some matchups you don't want to play Geno in. Um, In deep leagues, you kind of don't get that. Uh, You're going to have to play Geno in some of those matchups, Um, like watching out for some of his NFC West opponents, um, but... For the most part, I think uh, Geno Smith is going to be a good fantasy uh, pickup for the rest of the year, too.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And since we're on the topic of quarterbacks, I'm going to give one more uh, before we move on. Um, And that one is Jared Goff. Uh, Call me crazy, but uh, Goff has hit a hole-in-one this week against the (laughs) Commanders. He threw for 256 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And in week one against the Eagles – he threw for 215 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Like we said earlier, golf looks good.
1: Yes. Yes. He has looked really good. Uh, like I said, amon Ross St. Brown has really kind of stepped into that role of being the number one guy. Uh, he's got a two good running backs to kind of support him in the backfield. Um, he, he hasn't done much, but he's got Hawkinson at tight end. He's got the weapons. Um, That line is pretty solid, so he's going to be protected pretty well. Uh, I agree, for sure. Jared Goff is uh, definitely a fantasy positive going forward.
0: Yes, yes. All right, we're going to move on to some trade rumors in terms of fantasy-wise. I have in front of me four different trades for Patrick Mahomes, okay? So I want you to picture you have Patrick Mahomes. You also, okay. have, you also have Josh Allen in a one-quarterback league. Oh.
1: Okay? okay?
0: Obviously, you're probably going to start Josh Allen. He's been the baller first two weeks. Obviously, Mahomes has been balling out too, but Allen has been balling out. So you're looking to trade Mahomes to fill some other spots on your roster. Okay? The first trade yeah. here, there's four of them. The first trade is Patrick Mahomes and Elijah Moore. For James Robinson and Javante Williams. Okay? Okay. The second trade is Patrick Mahomes for Nick Chubb and A.J. Dillon. Okay. The third trade is Patrick Mahomes and Elijah Moore for Saquon Barkley and Trevor Lawrence. And the fourth trade is Patrick Mahomes and Elijah Moore for Najee Harris and Daniel Carlson.
1: All right. So... The big one that jumped out to me as soon as you said it uh, was, was trade two. Uh, getting Chubb back because uh, it was uh, uh, Mahomes for Chubb. And who else was it?
0: Uh, AJ Dillon. And then. AJ Dillon. Yeah. And you were also giving away. I, I didn't mention this probably because I can't pronounce the name, but Oakley. Oakley G. Bunham? Is that how you pronounce his oh, name? Oh,
1: Denver's tight end. I'll, yes. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just call it, everybody just calls him Albert O. uh, uh, trade two because hearing the structure of the rest of these sounds like I have Elijah Moore. Uh, I like Elijah Moore uh, as the Jets offense expands. Elijah Moore is going to get more touches. So I'm getting to keep Elijah Moore. I'm trading Albert O who has not been very strong or structured in Denver's offense, but I'm landing Chubb who is – it's it's one of those situations, and the same goes for A.J. Dillon where it's a two – headed monster in the backfield. Um, But Chubb is RB1 in that backfield, and he's explosive, always has the capability of just popping off for a lot of points. And then two is A.J. Dillon. Uh, He's the two guy in that offense in a lot of situations. Uh, When he gets inside the red zone, though, most of the time, especially inside the 10-yard line, uh, it's going to be handed to A.J. Dillon, so he's going to be a touchdown machine. Um, And so – Trade two really jumped out to me. Um, Trade one was not bad, uh, but trade two for sure just straight up just jumped out at me off the page.
0: Yeah, yeah. For me, I like that one too. Um, But I think the person giving up, uh, AJ Dillon and Nick Chubb, is I know you're getting Patrick Mahomes, but you're not really getting anything else. Um, So I think you're maybe looking to possibly get a little more instead of Denver's tight end. Maybe you're looking to get um, like a uh, Chase Edmonds or a Devin Singletary, um, alongside possibly Elijah Moore. I know that we like Elijah Moore. Like you said, when the Jets' offense expands, he's going to get those receptions. He's going to get uh, some some red zone targets, um, some end zone targets. But I think if you can bring back Chubb and Dylan in exchange for Mahomes, Edmonds, or Singletary and Elijah Moore, I still feel like that's a solid trade, especially. If your running back slots aren't the strongest,
1: yes, agreed. Um, granted, and like this week, Dylan wasn't a super big factor for Green Bay, um, and, and it was kind of weird because inside the red zone, they uh, they gave it to uh, Aaron Jones a lot. Um, but still, I think I don't think that's going to be a continued trend going forward. Uh, Matt Lafleur is he's very. Um, creative with his offense, and so Dylan is going to get his touches uh, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, well, that wraps up our football segment. We're going to move into a short segment about Major League Baseball as as the season starts to come to a close, and we're going to give our – um predictions on the AL MVP and the NL MVP and then our World Series predictions who's gonna make the World Series. So Todd, who is your in, who is your NL MVP this year?
1: National League MVP. Um I'm gonna give a shout out for a couple of guys that should get some votes. They're gonna get votes. They've had great seasons. Um they've been impressive. Uh and just overall have shown out well. They're just not this first guy. Uh, Mookie Betts has had a great year, career high in home runs. He's batting leadoff, so he's not going to get a lot of RBIs, but he's still racking up a good bit of ribbies. Um, and, and Nolan Arenado, uh, he's held down the hot quarter defensively. Uh, his bat has been great. Uh, it's kind He's kind of shown that he doesn't need Colorado to hit well. Um, and, and hit for power well. Uh, yeah. So both those guys have had great seasons. Uh, there's a couple other names you could throw out there, uh, including some of the guys that are in the Cy Young race and Corbin Burns and, and Tony Gonsolin and Sandy Alcantara. A uh, uh, couple other uh, you know guys like uh, like Trey Turner has had a great season yeah. um, and, and everything. But the correct answer uh, is Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Goldie has been a great hitter all year, not just power, uh, not just contact, but both. He's driving in runners at a good pace. Uh, It's been consistent. It's not been like some of the other National League guys that were considered MVPs at points of the season, Uh, like Schwarber was crushing the ball, Um, uh, Arenado was crushing the ball, and they've gone through streaks. Goldie has been solid all year long, consistent. MVP for the National League.
0: Well, I'm glad that we agree because uh, that means we don't have to argue on our uh, first episode for, for that <laughs> one. Um, but I know that we uh, we disagree for the uh, American League MVP so uh, why don't you go ahead and state your cause for who you have chosen.
1: <clears throat> and I, I hate that you sent me first because it's I'm not going to give you the chance to argue. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> imagine someone pitching better than Aaron Judge's teammate Garrett Cole. Okay? And pick somebody that is pitching better than him. Okay? Uh, a whole ERA point better. He's got more wins. Um, he's got like 75% of the innings of Cole, but he's got like 85% of the strikeouts, so he's got a higher like K per nine. Uh, <clears throat> then throw in that he's got as of right now, this, is this recording, 34 home runs, 89 ribbies slashing 266, 357, and 534 with a 149 OPS plus. League average OPS plus is 100. Okay. So obviously 149 is greater than 100. Elite is kind of considered around the 130 range. Like if you're playing over 130, you're a great player, you know. Otani has a 149 OPS plus. Go back to the pitching. Otani has an ERA plus of 165, thinking about those same 100 as league average parameters. And I understand Aaron Judge has been historic in his own sense, but MVP stands for most valuable player, and Shohei Otani has given the most value of anyone in baseball on both sides of the field and carried a – I don't want to say horrible because they've got some pieces but carried a horrible team all year that was just now eliminated from the postseason.
0: Okay. That's uh no, I I like I like Shohei. Um yeah, obviously he's got the the marketing corner, he's got that lockdown. When you talk major league baseball, you think Shohei Otani. I mean he's just he's who pops into your head. It's just like Mike Trout. For all these years when you think baseball you've thought Mike Trout um, and now right now it's Shohei Otani and they just happen to be on the same team
1: they're still yeah.
0: their team is still garbage and yes. I hate I hate the Angels for that because they are wasting generational talent um, Thanks. but my American League MVP is Aaron Judge and why is that? Where would the Yankees be if it was not for his offense? He has 127 RBIs take away his 59 home runs and he is still third on that team in RBIs with 68. He leads the American League in WAR and WAR. His on-base percentage is a .413. His slugging is a .688, which means he also leads in OPS at 1.115. He leads the American League in runs scored, total bases, home runs, RBIs, walks, extra-base hits and win probability added which I know isn't a big stat until you consider that by himself he has added 7.3 wins to the Yankees. He has also tied for second in the American League in batting average at .316. If you take away those 7 wins, the Yankees are looking at possibly not even making the playoffs. They would currently be third in their division behind the Blue Jays and the Rays with a record of 81 to 65 and if we took that and the season ended The Astros, the Blue Jays, and the Guardians would be the first three teams with the Rays and the Mariners and the Yankees squeaking in by a game. Obviously, there's more games to be played. But without the offensive firepower that Juz has provided by himself, the Yankees are not looking at a possible first-round buy in the playoffs. They're looking at barely squeezing in. And not to mention, Judge is looking at joining Trout and Betts as the only active players to post a 10 WAR mark in which Betts also won the AL MVP that year as well. I
1: mean, and it's it's a really good argument. And I understand <laughs> what you're saying about Judge carrying the offense. But you gotta add in that Otani is also carrying the pitching staff. Yeah. He's not only carrying the offense. Trout has missed a ton of games. But he's also carrying the pitching staff, who was non-existent, basically. Uh, Syndergaard was there early, but he got traded to the Phillies. Um, But even when he was in L.A., it wasn't something special. Yeah. Um, And Otani plays in a loaded division um, between the Mariners, who have freaking the next star in Julio Rodriguez, the Astros, who – have everything that the American can even ask for right now in terms of hitters. <clears throat> the Rangers, who are just, they're they're on the verge of doing something, and they've got great, great players. And I'm not even going to mention the A's, so that's, that's not a problem. Um, but he's in a, they're in a stack division, and I understand the Yankees are too. They've got three teams, you know, could the AL East could be sending four teams to the playoffs and, and whatever. But Otani is doing amazing things on both sides of the ball, not just one side. It's easy to carry the load on one side of the ball. But when you, when you're having to carry both, you understand why the angels are, are the way they are. And Otani's by himself. Yeah.
0: No, I honestly, I don't think, I don't think either one of them is a wrong pick. Um, I mean, they're both having historically great seasons um, I think it's just going to come down to who, obviously who gets the most votes. Um, but I think it's going to come down to really how judge finishes out the season. Um, I think if he makes history and is, and hits the most home runs that we've seen, um, in MLB history, I think that he's going to win it. Um, does that mean that he doesn't win it if he doesn't do that? No. Uh, but I think that that will really help his cause should he, and will he, when he hits that mark.
1: Oh, um, yes, I, I, and I agree. I think Judge is going to win it, um, and it probably won't be a very close race in terms of votes, um, just kind of looking at the way the media is rolling. Uh, but I, I'm here for Shohei Otani and believe that he should be in the conversation and definitely has a should have a shot at it as well.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our World Series predictions real quick. Um, we'll just We'll get those through real quick. I have the Dodgers versus the Astros in the World Series again. Um, and I think there's a lot of good teams in baseball, a lot of good teams that are going to make the playoffs, but I, you just can't ignore the great baseball the Dodgers have been playing lately. Um, going back the last 50 games to July 27th, they're 38-12. and 12. Uh, Fantastic on both sides of the ball. Uh, pitching has been a little bit of a struggle of late, but I don't think that's anything too concerning, uh, too major. Um, and obviously you can talk about the Dodgers that your team, you're going to know more. Um, but for the Astros, when you go back 50 games, uh, to July 27th as well, they're 33 and 17. Their last two series haven't looked the best. They lost all three games against the athletics. Then they won three out of four against the Mariners. Um, but if they can bring it all back together, they should be able to cruise. Should the Yankees start to slump still, um, who are 24 and 26 over their last 50 games. Um, outside of Aaron judge, they just haven't been playing good ball, um, which is why I have the Astros making it over the Yankees.
1: Um, I agree. Uh, I, in terms of, of the whole thing kind of breaking down, I, I have the Dodgers playing a very good series with the Mets, um, and the NLCS and, and, beating them. And that's no bias. I promise there's no bias in that decision. Like you said, the Dodgers have been playing great baseball, um, They've got an all-around just good team. The bullpen is finally kind of showing up like they need to. Uh, the Mets are a great team. Um, they continued their trend of losing Degrom starts. Uh, but even with the, like I said, you know, they're a great team and, and the improvements they've made, they lost a Degrom Grom start. Uh, kind of in, in typical Mets fashion. Um, so I, I, I think the Dodgers are the better team. Once again, no bias. I promise in that. No bias. Dodgers over the Mets. And then the uh, I have the Astros beating the Blue Jays and the ALCS uh, for the simple fact that the Astros are probably going to be the one seed in the American League, kind of get that bye week. Uh, Blue Jays are going to probably get stuck with a wild card spot, and it's going to be an uphill battle the entire time. Uh, they have a very good team, uh, yeah. but they're going to have to play more games. Uh, Houston's got a really, really good team. Um, they've got their Cy Young candidate, um, <clears throat> Justin Verlander back. He came immediately off the injured list and looked like the Cy Young Verlander that was pitching before he went on it. Uh, and then I have the Dodgers over the Astros in six games. Um, there is a little bias in that. Uh, just kind of as a, a revenge kind of thing, I guess, is going to play a factor. And uh, – the Dodgers won their 103rd game this afternoon uh, in the first game of their doubleheader today. Uh, so uh, they just – and it, it it was against the D-backs, but it was a come from behind, and there's been a lot of that this year. Of, this team doesn't step down when they're playing from behind and they're, they're uh, playing good ball. Kershaw has been injured a couple of times, so he doesn't have a lot of innings on him going into the postseason. Uh, and so, yes, I, I, I think it's, I think it's Dodgers over the Astros in the World Series.
0: All right, you heard it here, folks. We will see how the rest of this MLB season pans out. Thank you all for joining us for our first episode of podcast of uh, Scrub Nation podcast. Uh, we hope that you tune back in next week. Till
1: then, to Yes, sir. Uh, y'all take care. So here I
0: come now so you know that it's my time getting started. Cause it's my time to party. Like the tracks fur and now like a frog and you know I'm on a prime, so you know I gotta run like I'm lick with the slime, but I'm gonna make a big time in a rush, now take it slow.
1: Three, two, one, it's time to go. flashing off like rocket man in the space. Now this my damn